We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo 17 miles away from Madison Square Garden here in New York City. And I want to uh, bring to your attention that we are still in the top 200 because of you, the top 200 of news commentary podcasts on the Apple podcast chart. So thank you for listening. Everybody that's listening on demand whenever you feel like it. And I want to encourage you to listen to the live radio show. We're doing that Monday through Friday, every night, 10 p.m. Eastern time to 1 a.m. Eastern time. And we've got interviews for the first couple of hours that are really interesting on all of the hot topics of the day, as well as the final part of the show, the third hour, where it's calls from straight across America. Everybody gets to chime in on a late night town hall. Check it out. It's America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. And it's on 100, actually 300 stations straight across America. So uh, you could definitely find that on your radio or you could stream it. Just say, Alexa, play America at night with Rich Valdez and she'll probably get that done for you. But now I want to talk about the Pope, right? Because the Pope has uh, been making some comments. Uh, He's now condemning anti-gay laws around the world and saying that being a homosexual is not a crime. Listen to this. Ser homosexual no es un delito. No es un delito. Sí, pero es pecado. Bueno, primero, distingamos pecado por delito. So the Pope is saying being a homosexual is not a crime. And he said it in Spanish because I think he's from Argentina. By the way, I love Argentina, especially the Mendoza area where they grow these amazing grapes that make the best red wine on the planet, the Malbec. I love it. Uh, Chile makes a Malbec too, but I guess they have the same kind of um, grape growing there. But uh, I'm so partial to the Argentinian uh, Malbec. And I'm also pretty partial to Argentinian women. Just just throwing that out there. Uh, La Argentina es muy linda. Anyway, uh, Pope Francis, he says that the fact that you're a homosexual is not a crime. It is a sin, but it is not a crime. And that's what he's saying in that clip that we just heard. And he is calling on people from the LGBTQ community uh, to be accepted. And he's saying that all Catholic uh, bishops need to accept them into the church while saying that this is a sin. uh, They should be accepted. And I have to agree uh, with the, the church being a hospital for sinners, right? I mean, that's, that should be the idea. Uh, at least you know, my um, limited understanding of theology has led me to believe that uh, this whole thing we do is about the forgiveness of sin and about uh, reconciling with God. So anyway, not to get on my bully pulpit and start preaching a sermon, that's not my, my job here, but I just wanted to share that, that bit of news with you. And he did that interview with one of the outlets um, it's being reported here in People Magazine, and he just wanted to speak out against the criminalization of homosexuality and ask those bishops to, to step in. Now, while speaking with the Associated Press, he also 
um, called these laws that criminalize homosexuality around the world unfair. And he said that, look, it's not a crime. And, you know, of course, there are many um, majority Muslim nations where homosexuality is a crime and others. And uh, I think it makes for an interesting debate. But the Pope goes on to say, we're all children of God. God loves us as we are. And that's what he said in his uh, his interview in an article that appeared in the Associated Press. And he did that from Vatican City. So that's where we are. Now, Human Rights Watch, uh, they say 67 countries have national laws that criminalize same-sex relations between adults. I find it fascinating that they emphasize adults. Are they saying that this is something that's allowed if it's with kids? I mean, it's just the way they word these things really just throws me off sometimes. But this, to me, opens up the door to how we're still having this conversation about um, homosexuality and whether this is a a lewd act or not. And a few days ago, if you listen to my radio show, uh, uh, America at Night, you would have heard this story where uh, a a gay couple, two men that are married, adopted uh, a little boy, two little boys, and one of them, they were pimping out, like selling him for sex. They have two boys, one's in third grade, one's in fourth grade. This is tough to speak about. And I did a whole thing on it. We had callers from around the country chiming in on that. But that's not what I want to talk about now. I wanted to talk about how this is something that has been uh, on America's doorstep for a very long time. And, you know, one of the things I like to do when I geek out on the weekends and, you know, do reading or YouTubing and whatever Um, Other than watching the Jersey Shore, the new season of Jersey Shore and old seasons, I love the Jersey Shore. It's just great. uh, What I like to call uh, diversionary TV to get your mind off of politics. But one of the things I like to do is watch old programming, like whether it's old talk shows, old radio shows. And Joe Pine, uh, a a real legend from back in the days, in 1960 had a, a guest on his program. And his guests were studio audience members that would just step up to a microphone and ask questions and, you know, state a gripe. And once they stated that gripe, they would go ahead and, you know, uh, allow him to respond and have a little bit of a dialogue. And George Fords is his guest who makes this gripe about how the homosexual movement or what he called the homophile movement was now encroaching on everybody's children through homosexual coloring books. And he works his way up to that. But I want you to listen to this. We're going to take a couple of minutes to work through this because, again, remember, this is happening in 1960. Check this out. My name is George Fords. Since very little that is openly antagonistic reaches the public in regards to the homosexual and the homosexuality, parents are unaware that their children are the intent of an insidious attack. The issue that I have here contains a detailed description in an article called Beginner's Guide to Cruising, a Beginner's de- Guide to Cruising? To Cruising. Is that a naval article? It is a detailed instruction in perversion, how to pervert any You mean male. how to take a normal person and convert him into a homosexual? Definitely. That's a handbook for that, you say? Definitely. Mm-hmm. These magazines were purchased in my own community, in local stores, within easy reach of children. These weren't under the counter. These are not from a other side of the track sort of store. So there you have this guy, George Fords, and he's talking about this in 1960. Hold it. We've got an alarm coming through, letting us know that this is not breaking news, but this is still going on right now in 2023. And I want you to hear a little bit more from this guy, George Fords, because 
I think the historical context here makes all the difference in the world that he's explaining how they're trying to encroach and how they have a recruitment problem. And the only way to get more people into the what he calls the homophile movement is to add more people to be um, part of their movement. Check this out. Actually, the homosexual movement or the homophile movement to which they refer to it, the only way that they can perpetuate their philosophy is by one, including into their numbers um, more homosexuals, and to do anything significant in regards to making them acceptable, they must have a large enough force. So the only grounds left open to them is are recruitment. the yes, definitely. Well, I don't the, think we've ever heard so much about it until the past few years. I think it was a shock to me to learn, for example, that some time ago they had a thing called the Mattachine Society, which actually had a lobbyist with an airplane who flew from state legislature to state legislature attempting to influence legislators to vote in favor of the state recognition, if you will. Tell me what your recommendations are. Make people aware that what these people are actually advocating by asking for equality, by asking that their rights be uh, adhered to, these people, under the guise of so-called civil rights, I think if I understand you, you're saying that we don't take them seriously enough as some kind of a threat. Is that it? Definitely it is a threat. It's a threat to pervert the, uh, an entire Do you think generation. a well-brought-up uh, son of yours or of a man down the street, do you think that he could be uh, converted in spite of his good upbringing? Psychiatrists say that people, that if they are exposed to this type of material over a long period of time, that it can incite them or erotically arouse them to which they have no legitimate outlet. He, he goes on to explain several things, not only about how they're recruiting people into this movement, uh, but also how they're recruiting and who they're recruiting and by what means. And he talks about a coloring book. And this what I find to be somewhat insidious because uh, it, it seems to me, again, when you look at this historically and you realize that this guy's talking in 1960, he's speaking about this topic way back when. And to look at where we are today, they're shocked that they had lobbyists back then. Yet, lo and behold, here we are today with uh, a, an incredibly perverse uh, transgender movement that is affecting children in a very negative way. Children that are being adopted and being abused and being prostituted by their adoptive parents. This is problematic. And this guy was sounding the alarm a million years ago. I find it hard to believe that a child with a proper upbringing, with good standards and a good uh, father image and a good mother image would, uh-oh, uh what's that? Can I show you an inducement into homosexuality? Yeah. A gay coloring book complete with crayons. Can we, sh can we show a picture of that? It's a what? It's called a gay, the vernacular for homosexual coloring book that comes complete with crayons. To whom, What's he saying? Cover me, color me lavender or something? To whom would this be the recipient? To whom would this be given to? Obviously, a youngster, as an inducement. I also and that's supposed have, to be an inducement for tiny tots, for the coloring set, the finger painting group. They wouldn't even understand how to read that. It's not. It's not anything in print. It's are you sure pictures. it's not a put on? Are you sure it's not no, a gag? No, no, it's not. Now, what age group are they appealing to there? Obviously, the preschool, school-age children, kindergarten. 
And this was how it started way back when in 1960, when you had people from the community saying, look, they're buying these things wherever they can get them. They're not coming from some place that's on the uh, opposite side of the tracks or anything like that. These are legitimate businesses that are selling these things. And uh, I find it, you know, wow, this is kind of interesting to see that this was a problem back then that they were talking about. And uh, today we're in a different place. Now, listen, I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm saying, right? I don't want, uh, I mean, I'll always get that criticism. Oh, you're being a homophobe. You're being this, you're being that. No, I'm bringing to your attention how there are things that are organic, right? It's pretty organic that men will mate with women. They, they may get married and, and that will be a thing. We saw divorce rates go through the roof when the government stepped into the welfare program and said, uh, they were already in the welfare program, but said, you know what, if we, we allow this to go on, we can get women who are, you know, unmarried to, to accept welfare. And, uh, that became an explosion, uh, almost a permanent under earning society, right? If that's a, a, a friendly way of putting it. And, it eliminated in at least in 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 many uh, urban areas and even in certain ethnic uh, groups fathers in the home almost entirely you know to to numbers that are like 50% uh, and again almost entirely in certain settings uh, certain inner city settings so it, it makes you think man what is going on and with the stories that we have coming out today where we have um the federal government now telling people to aid in the process of gender transformation, but to conceal it from parents, I think we've got a big problem. And uh, I'll give you a little bit from a piece in Breitbart News I'm looking at. USAID tells teachers to hide students' gender identity from parents. The Agency for International Development, USAID, instructs education officials to hide students' gender identities and sexual orientation from their parents. Why would we want to hide anything about a kid from their parent? Right. I mean, in my opinion, that should be illegal. The kid is under the care of this parent or guardian. A guide from USAID titled Integrating LGBTQI Plus Considerations into Education Programming was created in order to support USAID's effort uh, to work within the education sector and integrate lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer and intersex considerations into programming. Now, look, I don't even know what intersex is. Uh, but I know in our last episode, we talked about this guy, Dr. Gadjasek, and he was talking about intergenerational sex. And obviously that's incest. And this is, uh, again, something I'm, I'm not going to, I'll be like a dog with a bone with this, not letting it go, because this is something that perverts children, probably the most precious, innocent thing that God's ever given us. And we have to do a better job. And I think they, they appeal to people many ways. First, they appeal to people who don't have children. Uh, and they, the way, how do you get those? Oftentimes you tell people, oh, you shouldn't do that. There's uh, considerations in, in, in how people are taught. Uh, through teacher colleges and whatnot, where we, we now have a society where there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, I don't want kids. Some of them are saying they don't want kids because of the climate change debacle. I find that to be remarkable uh, because they're saying, how could you responsibly bring a child into this world if you only have 12 years left? And again, that was a few years ago, 12 years. So maybe they're down to nine years now. And it makes me think, this is, again, if you don't want to have children, you don't have to have children. But when you have a society that starts to put value on not procreating, 
that goes beyond a choice, and now it's an inducement, right? It's it's kind of a suggestion. Uh, it's be, you're better off not having children. You're better off not getting married. You're better off maybe considering a partner for, of the same sex or a partner of intersex, whatever that even means. Forgive my ignorance. I'm sure in the comments, once we post this, somebody's going to uh, try to educate me on that. And I'll look it up and I'll find out what it is. But my point is we're in a new place at where it seems anything goes is good and traditional is bad. And I had an audio clip that I wanted to play for you where they were saying how being trad or t- traditional is so inherently bad or evil and indicates, you know, all of the the things that are bad. It it exemplifies everything that is wrong with society. And these are the things that I think we need to hit the brakes on and say, look, if you want to do you, that's fine. You know, I've been a married man with children. I'm a single man with almost all adult children. My my youngest daughter will be 18 on her next birthday this year. So I, I can tell you that I can do whatever I want as a single man. I can, I'm responsible for me. Uh, and I was a married man and I, I've lived life uh, in America. And, and I understand people like to have fun. People like to do this and they like to do that. And that's fine. But I don't think at any point should we try to replace um, one's lifestyle, playboy lifestyle, um, alternative lifestyle, whatever lifestyle you want to choose. I don't think that that replaces um, things that are known and proven to be healthy. It's known and proven that children that grow up in a nuclear family fare better. Of course, somebody will pull out, you know, a situation. Oh, I knew a kid who had two parents and they were fighting and the dad was a drunk and the mom was uh, was cheating on her husband. And, and of course, everybody wants to hold on to the worst examples they could find. But guess what? You've got the same bad examples in, in every other dysfunctional situation. We just talked about the two guys that adopted those little boys and were doing whatever. We talked last uh, episode of This Is America. We talked about Dr. Gadjasek who had adopted 56 boys and admitted to having sex with three to 400 boys between the ages of eight and 12. So don't tell me that, you know, mom, dad, dog, and kid, or mom, dad, dog, and two kids uh, is somehow inherently evil or bad. Bravo, Sierra, BS. That's just, it's just not a fact. Marriage, the traditional nuclear family has been the cornerstone of society because of wealth creation, because of uh, societal adjustments where people can, uh, you know, they accomplish more, they do more, they do better. You can look it up. I'm not going to sit here and cite stuff to you. My point is your kids are more uh, better prepared and well-rounded when they come from a, a loving home. And loving homes have different shapes guaranteed. My parents are divorced, so and I, I think I'm okay right now, but am I always okay? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm not always okay. You know, if you listen to my show on the radio, you'd be like, yeah, this guy's not okay. But the jury's still out on that. My point is we can't sit here and replace the idea of a traditional family and think that it's somehow life is going to get better for everybody if they embrace the things that are going on. Uh, there's an article that I saw in Yahoo that says uh, gays are leaving Florida uh, because of laws that are being implemented. And um, I bring that up because I'm going to share it on social media at Rich Valdez with an S. And we'll, we'll might touch on this before the end of this podcast if, um, if time permits. But I also wanted to play you uh, the interview that I did with President Donald Trump, the 45th president of these United States, who I like to call Donaldus Magnus El Trompito. And we're going to do that in the third segment of this program today. So if you missed it on the radio or if you missed it on the podcast for America at Night, you'll be able to get it here. And I typically just do commentary, no calls, no guests. But a lot of people were asking for that online. So I wanted to put it out there so that you could hear it. And uh, we're going to get into a couple other things. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about artificial intelligence. I also want to talk about what 
lengths people are going to to try and stay young. Uh, what are they doing to their bodies? Um, so we're going to talk about that. Plus, an adult star, somebody with an OnlyFans account that provides adult content, has become a data scientist and breaks down how few showers she took in 2022. And it's fascinating uh, because now some of her fans are, uh, you know, giving her some heat and she's taking fire because she didn't take enough showers. So there is more to come straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, yours truly. I'm right here at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. If you're not following me on Instagram, please do. I enjoy Instagram a lot because I get to share pictures and it's the only one of all of the platforms I use, right? There's a professional Facebook that I use for the show, for my work. Uh, Everything else is pretty much for the show, for my work. You'll never see pictures of my kids or what I'm doing on the weekends on any of my social media except for Instagram. So if I'm, you know, going out and doing a little bachata dancing, you know, you know, that type of thing over the weekend, um, you're going to see a couple of pictures of that. If I'm hanging out with my buddies who I've known since sixth grade, you're going to see pictures of that. So um, I I love to connect with the audience and I'm hoping that you're following me on Instagram or anywhere else at Rich Valdez. Now, listen, I was looking at the New York Post earlier and I saw uh, the same article that I saw in the Post. I saw it in the Scottish Sun. This is like the sister of the UK Sun, typically one of those um, kind of gossip tabloids. But um, interesting story here. And the story is this, and I'm going to get into the other story, I promise, but I wanted to share this one. It's in the parenting section. Here's the headline. Sexy first grade teacher had to block thirsty dads from TikTok. An elementary school teacher from Mexico said she had to put her students' thirsty fathers in timeout after they followed her online. Diana Laura Castaneda, she teaches first graders in Guadalajara, and she also entertains her 426,000 TikTok followers and 69,000 Instagram fans with sexy outfits and dances. Now, that's how they've uh, put it. I wouldn't describe it as sexy. I took a look at a few videos. They seem to be athletic attire. But and here's the, the you know, I guess the crux of it. The voluptuous 26 year old brunette downloaded TikTok in 2018, but it wasn't until she grew bored during the COVID-19 pandemic that she really started grinding out content. Her followers and students noticed. Here's a quote. My students are too young to know anything about TikTok, but last year I taught third grade students who are a little older and they told me they saw me on TikTok, Castaneda told the Jam Press. 
They also said they felt very proud to have such a famous and beautiful teacher. Some of them even asked for an autograph. That's so funny. So we continued uh, with this story. And she, uh, she claims that her career and online personality started to collide when students' fathers started pestering her in the comments section of her online content with a quote saying, there were some parents who told me they had seen me on TikTok as well, but when I saw they were commenting on my videos, I thought it was better I blocked them. Castaneda told the outlet, and she said, I felt sorry for them. So there's a lot of pictures here. Some are in bikinis at the beach. Uh, others are in workout attire or leggings, that type of thing. The, 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 I guess the issue here is that she's, she's got a big butt. And I guess when you wear leggings and you don't have a big butt, nobody takes notice. But if you wear leggings and you're very hippie and you've got a big booty, all of a sudden everybody notices. So Castaneda claims that her rise to fame also got her some haters saying some even made memes and stickers of my face and then started spreading it around in WhatsApp to make fun of me. She says, now I have so many fans and followers, I shut all those people up with their negativity. So anyway, my point with this story was, I thought it was an interesting one, but I think the the big story here for me was what is going on? I've never been in this situation. Um, you know, my, my ex-wife, very beautiful woman, I never really uh, looked at my kids' kindergarten teachers um, they weren't, you know, um, you know, pretty women, but it wasn't anything like that. Uh, but, but I think if, if some of the dads of these kindergartners or whatever it is, first, second, now third grade are, are following her on TikTok, I I'm, I'm of two minds here. Like one of them is if you're going to teach little kids and you're also going to have, you know, your personal private life, which you're free to have, I think you just have to kind of take an inventory. And I think the school should probably have a social media policy that says, hey, teachers, um, you know, we can't stop you from being friends with whoever you want to be friends with. But, you know, I mean, maybe they could. Right. They actually probably could have the board put together a policy saying, you know, while the kid is in our district, we don't want you to to be social media friends with this person. And that could cause problems because they could say, well, what if I knew her? What if I grew up in this town and the girl was my babysitter when I was a kid? Now she's a teacher and she's teaching my kids. And I'm, you're going to tell me I can't be Facebook friends with her. She comes to all my family functions, right? So I could see how this can get sticky. However, I think a policy is necessary nonetheless uh, where you kind of um, put it out there. Or maybe you do what they're doing, right? I mean, I, I'm okay with rolling back the red tape too. That's why I said I'm of two minds here. You could say there's no policy. Just it is what it is. If she doesn't like them, she can block them. If the parents want to follow, they can follow. She's free to do what she wants. We believe in freedom of speech. Um, to me, that sounds like the simplest answer. But I do think that there should be some couth. And I think when you start to lack couth, that's when, you know, you start adding things where that the government imposes. And what I mean by that is, let's say you have a very a road that's very seldom traveled. And on this road that's seldom traveled, you have cars. And, you know, everybody's like, no, you go. No, you go. No, you go. You know, rather than have a stop sign or a, a stop light, you may have one stop sign. But some places... Things are so crazy, they they put a four-way stop. And everybody stopped and looking at each other and trying to figure out where to go. And then they follow the rules of a four-way stop. And I think this this is that kind of situation. You know, do we allow it to happen? How often does it happen? If it happens a lot, maybe we'll put a stop sign. If it happens too much, maybe we'll put a uh, traffic light. All right. We could take that approach as well. And, and I think you, you sometimes have to enforce the rules when the rules just become kind of um, – all over the place and nobody's following and doing the right thing. So I think it, it's, in my opinion, as um, a dad and as, as a conservative talker, I could say, I probably think if you're teaching these grades 
you know, any grade school, K through 12, it's probably a good idea that if you do create online content, you, you have a right to create online content, but you have to be aware that this can end up costing you your job. And there was a nurse that uh, a nurse or a medical assistant or one of those things who had a similar problem, posted a picture in scrubs from her, her work. Um, and it wasn't even like a uniform, but they started saying you wear things too tight, this and that. And it drew so much attention um, that her employers took note and it became a thing. So um, I would love for you guys to chime in online. If you can, let me know your thoughts at Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez, because I, again, I don't know the right thing here, but I would think if I'm dropping off my kids with a teacher, I want her to look like my first grade teacher. My first grade teacher, Mrs. Goldstein. She was probably 80 years old when I when I was started first grade. And uh, she was very nice. She was stern. She was very smart. She was an excellent, very experienced teacher. Taught me great things. But she was an older woman. And, you know, she wasn't this young, uh, voluptuous, attractive woman. So uh, that was never an issue. But it's an issue. And I get that it'll probably happen again. I'm pretty sure there's going to be more uh, attractive teachers. So just uh, food for thought, because I'm curious to see your answer here and your responses on whether the teacher should or shouldn't. I think the, the general rule should be whatever online content you have, if it's for public consumption, uh, meaning not like a Facebook page where you need to friend somebody, but if it's immediately available where the public can see it and it's a public page, that you can't misrepresent uh, or poorly represent the entity in this instance, the district, the school district that you work for. And I think that's probably a fair compromise, just like everybody else who signs contracts for employment. Ultimately, somebody is somewhere saying, you know, there's a moral turpitude clause where they'll say, you know, if you do something that we consider to be um, immoral, then we can get out of this arrangement that we have with you. So I, I find that to be uh, interesting. And, um, and I, I, I lean on the side of having a policy because otherwise you go from teacher who's curvy and wants to post bikini pics and workout pics and whatever to only fans creators, which are basically um, independent adult or pornographic film stars that become data scientists. This is this story. This is an interesting one. Um, this woman says that she had more sexual encounters than showers in 2022. And this is interesting. Uh, it says here that she was probably, this is in the New York Post. She was probably too busy getting busy than being busy in order to take a shower. This popular adult uh, entertainer turned data scientist turned a turned into a, um, a pariah a little bit online and uh, with a shocking self-admission about her hygiene causing debate to bubble up on social media. Listen to this. Her name's Ayala, and she was once the top-grossing OnlyFans star with a monthly income of $100,000 per month and 130,000 followers on Instagram, or Twitter, rather. And she states she only showered, drumroll please, 37 times last year. That's crazy. She said, in my 2022 stats... This is a tweet that she put out. How many times I showered? 20, uh, 30, excuse me, 37 times. Now, by her own account, Ayala engaged in about twice amount of 
of that in sexual encounters with 63 encounters last year. In fact, she did a lot of other things more than bathing last year. And this is part of a movement. This is not that she just wants to be, as my mother would say, una puelca, right? That she, she's a pig. No, no, no. I, this is a, a movement of people that want to shower less. And this gets interesting here. Um, she went outside 222 times. She pooped 194 times. She worked 137 times. She socialized 165 times. She took Adderall 126 times and she drank alcohol 118 times. She danced 64 times, um, had sex 63 times. I wonder if there's a correlation between dancing and, um, sexual encounters. She cried 59 times. That's almost right up there with dancing and having sex. I'm wondering if dancing causes the crying or the crying comes before or after the uh, other encounters. Interesting. Uh, She spent time writing 51 times. She was playing video games 44 times in the year. And she had a good meal only 42 times. I don't think that means she ate. I think that she felt that she was satisfied and enjoyed the meal 42 times out of all the times that she did it. And all of this um, leads to the number of 37 where she did not shower. Now, here's an interesting uh, tidbit here. The average American only takes 145 showers a year, according to a 21, uh, 2021 study from Harvard University. I bet you didn't know that one, huh? I didn't. And here's what she said to her critics. Yep, I try not to disturb my natural skin microbiome. I don't want to do that too much. If I shower too often, I seem to stink more. I regularly use a bidet and spot wash my armpits and genitals, though. And it reminded me of a video I saw a couple of years ago. I don't remember who the actress was, but there was an actress that said that um, she washes, this is a quote, her soles and holes and her pits and something that rhymes with pits and starts with a T. So that, that's a trend going around Hollywood with women doing this to preserve their microbiome. Uh, I didn't even know I had a microbiome. Maybe you did. Uh, you guys are a lot more well-versed in microbiome and microbiology than I am. But she pointed out that she feels that there's an apparent double standard uh, that when, when people announce that they shower once a week, people just um, go, wow, that's kind of crazy. Uh, but uh, some of her users were lamenting that if they took a shower once a week, that somehow they're uh, violating social norms. So that's an interesting one. And I'm curious to know, what do you think of this, this movement to protect your microbiome? Is this legit? Um, should we stop showering daily or twice daily, which I think, I think a lot of people shower in the morning and they shower at night. Um, I think others shower just once in the morning or once at night. Um, I know that in the article, it cites uh, some people that shower uh, three times a day because they're hot or they went to the gym. So uh, I'm curious to know, I'm a pretty much daily shower guy, but I'm, I'm, and you know, occasionally if I'm, you know, if I do it in the morning and then I'm going out again at night and it's summertime, I'll probably do it again, especially if I'm going to shave again. But I'm just curious to know, um, does 37 sound like an outrageous number for you? Because it does to me. And uh, I'm not sure, you know, how accurate here uh, I am on this. Uh, but I think I, I probably take about 37 showers in a month. So I'm just, um, 
I'm lost on this one. You guys got to help me at Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. So those were a couple of the crazy stories I wanted to bring to your attention. I'm going to come back and give you the Donald Trump interview that we did with uh, the the former president uh, and his plans for 2024, which aired last Tuesday on um, the 17th of January on America at Night with Rich Valdez. And um, then after that, we'll be back with a wrap-up. Don't go anywhere. There's more to come straight ahead. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. America starts the day with America in the morning. Pending home sales numbers, they tanked in April, but there are Hi, I'm John Trout, your host for the latest news, politics, entertainment, business, and weather. octane action in the dust, a new film puts... Our staff of correspondents provide a fast-paced look at the world with specialized reports from where news happens. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Amazon. Concise, accurate, and fresh each day. America in the Morning, the podcast, available wherever you listen. The 45th President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative Talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And as promised, I've got the interview with President Trump. And I want you to hear a little bit of the the, um, the cool, jazzy piano sounds that we have on our program. So I'm actually going to include those so you could hear the intro to the show as well in case you haven't listened to the radio show. Maybe that'll entice you to listen to the show live every night, 10 o'clock at night. Listen to this. America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on Truth Social and all of the social media. And as promised, it's an honor to have our next guest. And those of you who listen to this show, you guys know uh, that I supported his America First policies vigorously on television and radio. And you probably know him by his nickname here on this show, El Trompito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, Donald J. Trump, El Presidente, and... You know, he's the only declared Republican candidate in the race to become the 47th president of the United States. President Donald J. Trump, Mr. President, welcome to the program, sir. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Now, I want to... I want to get to this, uh, this poll I saw because I remember I was a little kid. And when I was a little kid, just incidentally, when I was a little kid, there was, uh, there was that Trump Village and there was uh, the Left Rack City. And there were so many real estate right. developments. And as I was growing up, I, I grew up in Brooklyn. Uh, as I was growing up, I saw that there were more and more buildings and Trump became, you know, like the owner of the New York City skyline. And, and this, this Trump brand was like, man, this is cool. I want to be like that guy when I grow up, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, fast forward 20, 30 years, and, and you're running for president. And I thought, man, that's, it's kind of crazy that you have a guy who's got this golden skyscraper on Fifth Avenue, supermodel wife, you got it all, and you decide, let me, you know, kind of throw it all away uh, in many ways, right, to, to become persecuted, to become the most hated and most investigated guy in America. And I always thought to myself, 
there had to be something really, really big there, especially when, you know, this program used to be the Larry King show years ago and then the Bohannon show. And now it's my show. Right. I, I saw an interview that you did with Larry King. I think it was in 1987. And mm -hmm. you said, I don't think I'm running for president, Larry. <laughs> and and, and I, I just thought, you know, you, you had it going on then you have it going on now, but you decided to. What was that deciding factor? Well, first of all, he was a great guy, Larry. He was such a professional at what he did. And you yeah. understand that, you know, if you're too tough, you can't get guests the following night. And if you're not tough enough, nobody wants to watch. He was an amazing guy for so many years. Uh, and I actually said to him, you know, I pretty strongly, I said, I don't think I'm going to run for office because I'm too honest. And you do have to be honest. But at the same time, sometimes that uh, hurts a little bit. But I would say that uh, nobody's done what we've done. We had the strongest border in history. We were able to cut taxes more than even the Reagan tax cuts. We, The biggest tax cuts in history, biggest regulation cuts in history, rebuilt the military. Sadly, so much of it went over to Afghanistan. I mean, it's hard to believe $85 billion given away. We had that in great shape. Mm -hmm. You would have never, ever, in, in a million years, you would have never seen uh, Putin attacking Ukraine. That was not going to happen. Uh, likewise with uh, Taiwan and President Xi of China. Uh, let's see what happens there. Not, it hasn't happened yet, but it certainly looks like it could. But you would have never seen the Ukraine situation taking place. And all of these other things, uh, Space Force and Right to Try and so many different things that we did. And uh, it's really about I want to see our country be great again. Uh, we made new trade deals that are incredible. The USMCA, Mexico, Canada, instead of NAFTA, which was one of the worst trade deals ever made any by any country. It was horrible. And you know it's good because Mexico and Canada want to renegotiate the deal now. So you know it. Obviously, that worked <laughs> out to be pretty good. But uh, we've done a lot, and we would have done even more. You know, we had the Abraham Accords. You take mm -hmm. a look uh, with Israel. We we literally saved Israel, I think, because uh, the taking it out of number one, we had Jerusalem and we had the uh, capital and the whole thing and the embassy. You know about that, but. Uh, Cutting the Iran nuclear deal and ending it, terminating it was was so important. I mean, just so important. Golan Heights, another thing for Israel. So we just did a lot of things. And uh, there a lot of people say, uh, you know, one of the most consequential presidencies. And then we had a an election, which, to put it nicely, was rigged and stolen. <laughs> and what we did is uh, we hunkered down and we proved a lot of things and we're now running again, and we're going to finish the job. We had the best southern. We had the best southern border in the history of our country. There's never been anything like it. Now the drugs are coming in at a rate of almost ten times what they were. You know, two years ago we had the best southern border we've ever had. Now we have the worst southern border. Probably we have the worst border in the history of our country. Because I always say, and you've heard it. Uh, in history, I don't think there's ever been a border that's been like this. No, no country, even a third world country, would allow a border to be like what's happening to us right now. We're being poisoned. Yeah, that's true. Folks, we're on with President Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States. Now, and you mentioned something about uh, being too tough or not being tough. And you're right. It's a delicate balance on these interview shows. Uh, but the left within the media, they're having a field day with this recent poll. The New York Post has uh, got this poll up saying that, you know, a bunch of things. Ba basically, it's not very favorable to your campaign. And it reminds me to when I was a kid and, and Reagan was running and I would hear my parents talking about this stuff. And they were saying that he wasn't going to win and this wasn't going to happen and that wasn't going to happen. And we saw what happened with Reagan. How do you react to this uh, this current poll that uh, shows Biden doing better than you in, in a hypothetical matchup? 
Well, I've had that from the beginning. I've always had it. And I had it in 2016 and we won and we won handily against Hillary. And I had it last time and we got more votes. We got almost 75 million votes. That's more than any sitting president in history. And uh, in my very uh, it's not an opinion. I believe it's a fact, frankly. Uh, We won that election easily in 2020, but you had COVID and you had all these mail-in ballots and all the, the it was a, just a terrible thing. But even if you look at what the FBI did with suppression, you look at the uh, 2000 mules and you look at all of the things that happened mm-hmm. in that uh, in that election, it was a disgrace, but we did great. We got, you know, 12 million more votes, approximately 12 million more votes than we had four years before. I was told if we got the same 63 million votes, we win. We got much more. We got 12 million votes more and and uh, we supposedly didn't win. Uh, but I've heard that from the beginning and they use that narrative. They also say, oh, we want to run against Trump. But in the meantime, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars fighting me. If they want to win against Trump, they should uh, let Trump just, uh, you know, they, don't, they could call off all of their Democratic radical left prosecutors uh, because they want they don't want to they don't want to fight us. They don't want to go against us. But they're the people of misinformation. That's what they do. I mean, the only thing they're good at is cheating in elections and misinformation. And, you know, I call them radical left Marxists. Socialism was left at the station. They passed over socialism already. And uh, I've had it from the beginning. They come up and these polls are just as phony as the fake news writing. And uh, we, I had, a, I had polls showing me I was so far down in certain states that I could never even come close to winning. And uh, as an example, in Wisconsin, they had me 17 points down in a poll a couple of days before the election, and you end up winning the state. And it's uh, it's just terrible what they do. The polls are very crooked, and uh, the fake news is very crooked, very corrupt and crooked. Uh, but I don't know exactly what poll you're talking about. You know, we're doing very well in the polls, and I, ha- I don't know the one you're talking about. But whenever they see a poll that they usually make, uh, they play it up big, especially the New York Post, which has gone to hell. Uh, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's gone. It's gone bad. And Fox is not the same yeah. group now Just, that it uh, was. For Fox, the record, I'm, Fox I'm is a whole different. It's a whole different ball game. Yeah. I'm referencing the WPA intelligence survey. And, and in that vein, yeah. I think there, there's, you've got you've got critics. I never heard of sides. that, by the way. I never heard you know, of it. I never heard of it. Honestly, I never heard of intelligence or lack of intelligence. But I had this. You know this. I mean, I had it from the beginning. Remember, I used to go over the polls during all of the uh, speeches. We're winning here. We're winning there by That's so right. much. But uh, they'd always have some bad ones because they get they get them to write the bad polls, but I think we're winning by a lot. I mean, I see polls where we're winning by 21, 22, 30 points, even in some cases. And uh, I think we have good polls, but we'll see. Now, moving off of 24 and to these recent revelations of uh, Hunter Biden paying 50 grand a month to Joe Biden for rent. I'm thinking yeah. you as a real estate developer, do you think you could get a deal like that in, in uh, Delaware, 50K a month? Well, for Hunter to be paying that on a house where the rent, I guess they estimated it, maybe it should be 4000 and he's paying 50000 and paying it to the father, and they don't even know who owns the house. They think uh, the father owns it, but in that case, he's getting money and he owns the house, which would be even more interesting, I guess. But uh, supposedly, the father's getting 50000 approximately $50,000 a month for a rent that should be a tiny fraction of that. You know, that's a lot of rent. And Delaware is a wonderful place, but that's a lot of rent for Delaware, as the expression goes. And nobody's ever heard of anything like that. 
So I think that's just phase one. And that's actually picked up. I'm surprised. I will say this about the uh, media. Mm-hmm. They've really played this Hunter Biden stuff so far hot. I'm sure they'll drop it at some point. You know, I said to our first lady, whose people love, they said, uh, Melania, you know, this is a big thing, this uh, money and the whole thing with the classified documents, totally unsecured, laying all over the floor of a garage and all that. She said, yeah, nothing will happen. <laughs> nothing will happen. I said, you know, sadly, there's a lot of truth to that. They talk about it. And nothing happens. They don't do anything about it. But I think this group of Republicans in Congress is very strong. I think that was a real unification vote. That whole thing, it lasted for four days. And I think in retrospect, it was a great thing. And I see unity in the Republican Party like I haven't seen in a long time. They've got to get rid of Mitch McConnell. He's a disastrous oh. leader. They've got to choose somebody else. I mean, this guy with that $1.7 trillion that he just hands to him with no... No negotiation. He's just absolutely terrible. And his wife was totally China-centric. Call her mm-hmm. Coco Chow. She's totally <laughs> China-centric. That's all she cares about is China. So I think it's a disgrace that Mitch McConnell's representing the Republicans right now. I agree. Now, I want to ask you about the differences between Corvettes and skiffs. Because uh, apparently you have a okay. skiff at Mar-a-Lago where you can deal with your classified material. But... President Biden kept his classified materials in his garage with a Corvette. What do you think about that? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, Well, we had a skiff. I don't know that we have it now. I think uh, they took a lot of stuff out of here. But uh, we had a skiff. But Mar-a-Lago is a very secure place, very powerful place. Uh, We've got guards, and we also have Secret Service. And uh, the room was locked, and it was, uh, you know, it's a very secure place. It's a very secure environment, and people can't get in to start off. You know, it's very hard to get in to start off with. When you look at a garage with a flimsy door in front and that's open, and he's got papers all over the floor, and there's no security, there's no guard, there's no secret service. And, you know, the other thing is I have the right to declassify, whereas uh, vice presidents don't have that right. And uh, if you look at the Presidential Records Act, according to that, I did everything perfectly. This was uh, done Absolutely well, absolutely. You negotiate with NARA. Now, NARA is a problem. They started this whole thing. NARA, mm-hmm. uh, they have, as you know, the Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights red flagged because they think they're dangerous documents. So, you know, when you see that, Rich, you say, well, that's a little bit strange. But they have, think of it, the Constitution. And the Bill of Rights are red flagged, dangerous documents, or something like that. And you know, that's where they're coming from. So it's uh, it's pretty, pretty sad. But the the media is really hitting Biden on this stuff. It's uh, a little bit surprising. I thought they'd slough it off and they've lost credibility. Their ratings are way down. Uh, by the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations. Thank I had somebody. You, it's always nice to check. I like to see <laughs> even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing? Are people listening? Right. That's but right. you're you're doing great. But you know the ratings are down for a lot of the fake news media. The uh, those night shows, they, I mean, they have no talent. Uh, you look at Fallon and you look at Kimmel and the other character on CBS. It's uh, I mean they have they have no talent whatsoever. They're not funny. They're sad, and those ratings are down to the lowest point they've ever been for that hour. All of well, them. With, They're all with programs badly. like America at Night with Rich Valdez and Donald Trump as a guest, who's going to watch late night TV? Come on. Who would want to? I want to <laughs> listen to you, Rich, all the time. 
Now, President Trump, uh, I want to ask you, I know that you once owned a pageant uh, organization and we're looking at this stuff with the pageant and they're saying it's about women, but it's not even biological women that are running it. Um, what do you think overall? What's going on with the pageant industry and how is that spilling over into the culture? Well, I owned that pageant and I sold it to the group that owned it. Maybe they sold it again. I don't know. It was the Miss Universe pageant and I did great with it. It was a great success. I sold it for a lot of money. When I became president or just before, I said, you know, it's not so great to be president and own the Miss Universe pageant. Right. So but I sold it and I just see this over the last couple of days. No, I, I I'm a little bit surprised by it. I'm a little bit surprised. I don't know who's running it. I might check that out and have to tell you, but we made it a great success. And then in all fairness to them, I sold it. And then after I sold it, COVID came almost yeah. pretty soon after I sold it. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard to have uh, beautiful women walking up and down a runway with masks on, right? <laughs> you know, it's right. like, yeah. it was, I'm a, with you on that one. it was, it was not a good break for them. The COVID wasn't, but now I understand I've been seeing what's happening and, you know, it's very surprising. President Trump, in the final minute we have, I know there's, there's always critics out there that say things. Trump is toxic. Trump is this. It's time for him to move on this, that. And yeah. what do you say to them, whether they're Republicans or Democrats that are listening right now? What, what do you, what's your response to that critique? Well, so we had the greatest economy in the history of the world, actually, if you look at what we did for our four years, but just prior to COVID. And then I rebuilt it again and handed over something where the stock market was even higher. But we had the greatest economy. We had the greatest military. We had no inflation. We had no Ukraine being attacked by Russia and all of the money that we're spending now and all of those people that are being killed and decimated and the cities are being destroyed. Should have never happened. Would have never, ever happened. And sometimes they say, oh, gee, but he's he's nasty. I have to be nasty because I have to defend myself and I have to defend MAGA. Have to do it, Rich. Absolutely. Well, sir, thank you for being with us and for making America great again. Well, thank you. Great show. Thanks, Rich. God bless. More to come straight ahead. Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Hopefully you enjoyed that interview with President Trump. He was uh, an excellent guest. And uh, uh, the conversation that we had with uh, the Pope or about the Pope and about showering and about the adult film star and, and her lack thereof and everything else we discussed because there's a lot of topics on this particular program today. And I just wanted to leave off with you that, um, A, this um, podcast is going to start dropping on Saturdays. Uh, because we're going to be doing them uh, once a week and getting them out to you on Saturdays. We used to do Tuesdays, but when I re-signed with uh, Cumulus, the uh, the date that we'll be dropping them is a new date. So thank you for your, um, I don't know, I guess uh, flexibility on that. I thank you for listening, for downloading, for sharing. I know so many of you have sent me inbox messages on social media saying, you know, whenever I hear a really good topic, I think somebody might enjoy, I text it to them. So thanks for texting the link to the podcast. Thanks for clicking subscribe on the uh, podcast. Thanks for leaving those amazing reviews and five-star ratings. That stuff means the world to me and it really helps the show grow. So thank you and thank you and thank you. And uh, of course, stay focused on America. America's an amazing place where we made the automobile, the light bulb, the telephone, the record player. I mean, there's so many things that we invented in America and American ingenuity is 
um, not done yet. And that's because America is an amazing place. And as long as we support things like a smaller government and we protect the family and we do what's necessary to make sure that small business owners and and uh, Americans can still achieve that American dream, we're on the right track. But we have to stand for something because if we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. That is Sir Edmund Burke. And the only thing that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing, right? And we've heard um, that over the years. So it's time for you to do something. It's time for you to stand up and speak out. Until the next time, hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen.